As you are able, I invite you to stand in body or spirit for the gospel reading. <clears throat> the gospel reading for this Christ the King Sunday is taken from the 23rd chapter of Luke. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over his head. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Seems strange to be reading what we think of as a, a Lenten or Holy Week reading here in November. But it's the end of another church year. The gospel readings have taken us through the life of Christ. And this year in Luke, we began with what's known as the little apocalypse from Luke 21, where Jesus said, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when you see these things, begin to take place. Stand up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The little apocalypse, those words that sound so ominous and foreboding, they're actually words of hope. And they launched us into the season of Advent, preparing for Christmas. Today is Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday in the church year. Today we celebrate the fact that the prophecy of Jesus is made manifest. We're standing with the crowd, some mocking Jesus, a few followers in shock, standing, trying to 
not be too prominent for fear of the same thing happening to them. And they're looking up. We're looking up at Jesus on the cross, beaten, humiliated, shamed before all of Jerusalem. And we remember those words that we started at the first of the year from that little apocalypse. People will see the Son of Man in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, stand up, raise your heads, and look, because your redemption is drawing near. Today, we stand before the cross, and we raise our heads with the crowd, and we see not a sign of great glory that we would expect, but we see Jesus, the Son of Man, and that's the term that Jesus most often used for himself, Son of Man. We see Jesus, the Son of Man, naked, hanging on the cross and slowly suffocating. It doesn't look like power and great glory, does it? Where is our redemption in this suffering? Where is our king and his kingly majesty? Jesus doesn't look like a king hanging on the cross. Publicly shamed, they're suspended between heaven and earth. I mean, we know what royalty in the world looks like, don't we? We saw Queen Elizabeth's funeral a few weeks ago. That's what the world says royalty looks like, pomp and circumstance. So why doesn't the lectionary give us a more regal passage? Something like from Revelation where it says, there, there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like jasper and carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. And our earthly senses think that's what a king should be like, right? And yet here on Christ the King Sunday, we have Jesus on a cross. The cruelest instrument of torture and humiliation the Roman Empire could devise for its enemies. It was so cruel that their own people, citizens, were not subject to that. So what are we to make of our king? What's the message that this gospel, this scene has for us today? What's it mean to bend our knee, to conform our lives, to follow our king who has exchanged the crown and earthly glory for a cross. In Advent, we'll hear read Mary's song, the Magnificat. We'll sing it as part of Hold an Evening Prayer when we do that later in Lent. But Mary's beautiful poetic words announce an unbelievable reversal that God is initiating with her divine pregnancy. Listen from Luke 1 to Mary's song. And this is right after Mary's had the visit from Gabriel, and Gabriel said that God would like her to bear his son. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Remember, Mary was just a, a teenage girl 
in a poor, out-of-the-way town? Surely, Mary continues, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed for the Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in His arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to his promises made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The low are lifted up, the powerful are cast down, the hungry are fed, the wealthy sent away empty. And standing at the foot of the cross today with Luke and those in the crowd, we lift up our heads and we see that very reversal happening and being culminated. The crucified one has become our king of glory. The lamb who is slain is our victorious king, our savior, our redeemer. And lest we forget that and People did in the early church too. Paul reminds us as he reminded the church in Corinth. He said, The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, those who resist believing. But to we who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we, we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So Paul reminds us yet again that our human concepts are not God's ways, not the way that God does things, reversals. So we might think we know what a king should look like, but do we? In today's gospel reading, the two criminals, I think, give us slightly different views of Jesus, our king. The first criminal tries to use the Messiah for his own personal gain, I think. He says, save yourself and us. In other words, get me out of this situation. Send me back to normal. And I think, like many of us today sometimes and some of our Christian siblings, our version of Christianity centers around self. What can you do for me, Jesus? What can you do for me in this world? And it centers around the power, the prestige, the influence of politics, of living and individualizing the gospel to justify our wealth, our privilege. We misrepresent and misinterpret Scripture, and we overlook the teaching, the examples of Jesus to the marginalized in society. The second criminal, the second criminal recognizes the reality of his own situation, a situation that you and I share as sinners desperately in need of forgiveness and unable to do anything about our own condition. The criminal 
calls out for mercy and for redemption. And yes, he's looking for salvation for himself, yes. But he recognizes who Jesus is and what Jesus came for. And he calls out for mercy and redemption to the only one that can provide it, the least likely person in the world in that scene, another person, Jesus, hanging on the cross. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This criminal sees redemption and salvation in God's great reversal of our human ways. Stand up. Raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We don't see a regal king enthroned the way the world thinks of kings in power, but we see a king redeeming the world, defeating the forces of evil in this world by humbly submitting to the world's brokenness, taking all that the world can dish out, refusing to refight violence with violence to preserve his own life, but giving us an example of faithfulness to his teachings and an example of how to overcome evil as he redeems all of humanity from his throne on the cross. So if our king dies to save us, if our king chooses compassion and humility over violence and power, if our king hangs on a cross rather than sitting comfortably at a distance on a magnificent golden throne, as we stand and look up at the cross, I think one of the questions that we're confronted with is what kind of church should we be? What kind of church does our king call us and lead us out into the world to be? Just want to lift up three takeaways. There, there are more, I'm sure. But three things to ponder as we consider the cross and our king and, and all that we have to be thankful for as a result of his love and grace. First, the cross represents the presence of our king. The cross represents our king's presence with us. We begin worship facing the cross. It's carried in. The cross, the processional cross, is the standard for our king. And it leads us into worship. And it leads us out into the world. And just as one never turns one's back on royalty, we face the cross. So I want to invite you to face the cross as it's carried in and then as it's carried out so that, so that at the end of worship we'll be facing the cross at the back of the nave, standing there ready to lead us out into the world, into the places of ministry, the places where we are sent to struggle with evil and temptation every day. And we'll hear the dismissal from there. And then the cross will lead us out because the cross represents the presence of our King with us and going before us. Which is the second thing, that we follow Jesus in our daily lives. 
Jesus is our king. Jesus is the one we follow beyond these walls into service each and every day. And it's our king that gives us unity as a people of God in the midst of this world's chaos. And we need that unity because so many human divisions, chaos, arguments, struggle, and work hard to pull us apart. And sometimes we find ourselves frayed at the seams, don't we? Political parties, divisive political leaders, polarizing talking heads, struggles with what to do, choices in life that we can agree on or differ on. They all pull and tug at us. And sometimes they even create divisions in our faith communities, even local communities or beyond. But I think if we truly believe and pay attention to Jesus as our King, then as followers of King Jesus, we are called and led and equipped to step up and to live into the motto of St. John's each and every day. Let's connect faith and life together. Our faith that we have fed and nourished in here and at the table with the daily life, the daily struggles, connect those. And by God's grace, the power of the Spirit with us and our King who goes with us, we can overcome that division that seeks to divide us, that wreaks havoc in our world as we live into and remember that all people are sinners, all are forgiven, all are created in God's image. Because remember that Jesus heard even the voice of that criminal on the cross. Jesus, have mercy on me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus invited him into his family, into paradise with all of God's people. The third thing I want to lift up is that following Jesus informs our use of time and resources. Following Jesus informs our use of time and resources. Jesus is our king, and we as faithful subjects, our time, our energies, our financial resources should be shaped and guided by the teaching and the example of the one we follow. We have opportunities to serve, and we, we're called and gifted to, to step up and as faithful subjects, and there should be no shortage of people to share in God's work, the work of the kingdom, near and far. Our budget to fund the mission and ministry of St. John's that God has entrusted to us should never lack for funding, should have a surplus indeed, for there is no shortage of resources in our community. Jesus' sacrifice gives us forgiveness of sins, salvation, and eternal life, abundant life now, so that we need not worry about the things of this world holding us back, but we can live into that hope and promise as citizens of the kingdom, being willing to sacrifice for the well-being of our neighbors in need because Jesus has already sacrificed for us to give us forgiveness and abundant life now and the certainty of eternal life with him. 
Next Sunday's the new year. It's already here. How about that? We embark on the season of Advent, a season of expectation, a season of hope, a season of promise as we await the embodiment of God's love to arrive and to commemorate and celebrate that on Christmas. The candles of the Advent wreath will be lit, one additional one each week, to drive away the darkness, to drive away the threat, the shadow of sin as we gather and we listen for the infant cry that heralds the birth of our King. You know, we can look around the world, our community, and we can see more than enough reasons for fear and anger, for uncertainty and grief in our world. We're inundated with that every day. But Christ the King Sunday calls us, invites us to look up from this chaos, to look up to the cross, to see our redemption, to see our hope, to see and be reminded that Christ is with us. And we know where to look for paradise. We have the best king for this time. So let us go forth and follow Christ our king above all others that lay claim to us in this world so that we can endure as people of faith, bearing faithful witness to Christ our king. Amen.